Can we get started? Yeah, let's do it. Live from Pacific Junction Hotel, Girth Radio. Welcome, Jeff, to my summer lair. And uh, writer, filmmaker, uh, director, all the fancy pants titles. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I, I try to wear both sides of the cap, I guess. Yeah. Uh, you're here for uh, the new film, which is Blood Honey. Yeah. And now, right before we started, I got into a little bit of trouble. I referred to it as horror, and you brought up an interesting point about genres uh, today. I, got <laughs> I, I, I jumped on you, though, meaning to. No, no, it's psychological thriller. Yeah, no, I was like, oh, man. I was like, I'm so, I swear, I watched the film. Like, <laughs> totally, yeah. yeah, there's bees in it. We're going to get to all that. But yeah. I want to talk about the genre first before we kind of get into the film, because I thought this was an interesting distinction. Because it does kind of occupy that Hitchcock, this is what I was saying to you, like it occupies that Hitchcock kind of genre of like there's a little bit of like scary things but it's also psychological like thriller like you said yeah and we were inspired by like hitchcock and you know tried to be inspired by movies like rosemary's baby and the shining the shining is definitely in the world of horror but it's old school horror um it's not about gore um and body count it's 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 way more psychological so that's the world that we tried to live in and my my fear with with people thinking it's a horror movie is I just think they'll be grossly disappointed. Um, it's definitely got some really scary moments and it's been fun to watch people jump out of their seats in the theater, but it's like a slow burn and it's, it's, it's got, it's pretty dramatic too. So, um, yeah, it, it builds too. It builds. I mean, it's, you know, again, like, like I was saying to you earlier, I don't really go see horror movies, but I love psychological thrillers. So for me, there's like a, there's a huge differentiation. And hopefully this one falls into the, the psychological thriller. Yeah. So you mentioned in terms of psychological thrillers, like Rosemary's Babies, I guess, kind of like the tone or one of your cues or inspirations. Yeah, it's one of the inspirations. You know, uh, it's a pretty, pretty great movie to try to, you know, compare yourself off of. But I just, I think we were just inspired by it is the, is the way to put it. And, you know, Rear Window and, mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, a bunch of these kind of, kind of old school thrillers again. I mentioned the bees and your uh, recent stunt at Young and Dundas. Yeah. Um, it's getting a lot of buzz. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's, <laughs> the, the puns are endless with <laughs> yeah, this one. Yeah, I know. Yeah, we, um, we did, uh, you know, indie films. So you don't have the money that studios have. So you got to think outside the box to try to get earned media. Um, and so came up with this PR stunt idea actually when we were writing the script, incredibly, like three years ago, which is kind of mind-boggling that it actually happened. And uh, so we... we we actually did a live stunt in the film. Gil Bellows, who was in Shawshank Redemption and a bunch of other things, he's a great Canadian actor. And um, he uh, he's he's quite close to being method in his acting. Uh, and so we we actually covered him in Live Beast for a stunt that we did in the movie. And we actually brought out like Live Beast was a stunt person and stuff. And so... That scene is surreal. Um, yeah, it's nuts, man. And we had to VFX some of it, unfortunately, because we didn't get quite enough bees on them at the time because we didn't have enough time. And so we went to Dundas Square on Wednesday and got this huge um, bubble, this plastic bubble that's, like, sealable, and uh, put a guy in there and covered him with uh, something like 100,000 live bees on his head and his face and broke the Guinness World Record for the longest time somebody's had that done, which was, um, it was 53 minutes and we, we got 61 Wow. So yeah, so it was great. So and it, and it got it went viral. So we got we got media all over the world for it, which is great. Which is important for a sm- like a smaller indie film, right? You want to get that attention. It's the only way to to get eyeballs on it, you know, whether it's in the theater or whether it's on, you know, iTunes or VOD and uh we went in theaters in Toronto September 1st and then today we uh we released on Canadian iTunes and and different VOD channels like Google and um Sony and stuff like that. Blood Honey, what is it about? 
Give us the breakdown. Now we've established it's not horror, <laughs> and there's bees in it. We're rolling now. Yeah, it's about it's about a young woman uh, who is played by Sinead Grimes Beach, who um, you know obviously was in the new 90210, and she was on Degrassi before that. Uh, she's got a new TV CTV series that's coming out in 2018. So she's a really you know recognizable actor, and um, she hasn't been back home to her family's got a fishing and hunting lodge in Georgian Bay. Uh, that's on an island 30 minutes from mainland, which is a real thing. And she gets asked by her dad, who's sick, um, to come back home. She hasn't been back home in 10 years since uh, since something really tragic happened. And when she goes back, she gets kind of haunted by um, these memories that she's kind of blocked out of her head. Uh, her dad dies, and she inherits the lodge, and more importantly, all the property. It's really valuable property around there. And her brother doesn't, and her sister doesn't. Uh, nor does it the staff that have been working there for years. And uh, his last request is that she sells it. Uh, and sure enough, two of the buyers are actually already there because he's been he's organized all this. He's orchestrated this whole thing. He's a puppet master. Um, and she starts becoming convinced that um, her family and the staff are there are actually poisoning her, with which is a real thing with badly fermented honey, which uh, we call ruby red. And when honey is fermented wrong or when it's, um, the pollen is taken from the wrong type of flowers. It can be uh, it can be deadly. It's not a sweet. It's not a sweet. <laughs> no. Yeah, no. What came first then? Kind of like this idea with all the bees and things like that, and the honey you were just talking about, or like was that kind of like the central image that sparked all this? No, or not at all. That, that, that totally came at like halfway through, kind of developing the script. You know, and it was by co-writer Doug Taylor, who, um, among many other things, wrote Splice. Uh, which is a great sci-fi thriller with Adrian Brody. Um, and he's more of a sci-fi guy than I am. And he kind of called me one day and he said, I've got this weird idea. Just bear with me about, you know, having bees. And, you know, the Gil Bellows is a, is a recreational beekeeper. And, and we just kind of grew with it from there. No, it's, it's, a, it's a, a, again, the original goal was to make an old school psychological thriller. The easiest, uh, easiest is the wrong word. The, the most sellable uh, is a woman in peril story. Um, so we already had gotten the film, some financing for the film based on that. So we were kind of stuck to that. And, and we just kind of built this thing about it, um, around it, where it was all became about the sins of your family and the sins of your past and coming to grips with, uh, you know, uh, who you are as an adult within the, the bounds of your family. And in this case, um, some mental illness as well. Dealing with family now, that's a horror movie, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was the original kind of inspiration. Actually. Yeah. That and, makes... and the whole bee thing works as well, right? Because hives mm-hmm. are... Um, they're gangs. They're, they're, they're cults. They're yeah. gangs. And it's, it's one queen that runs... It's all guys, mm-hmm. you know? And, and, they, and they all have this, uh, this insane family, family system. So even the lodge is called the hive. And, uh, and so it all, it all kind of worked and streamlined its way through. Sweet. So the show business adage is that you never work with uh, animals or children. Yeah. So does that apply to bees too? I keep doing both. Yeah, I, I, my first film I, I worked with, well, my dog actually, mm-hmm. um, because I needed a dog and she was well trained. I trained her with hand signals and uh, it's called an insignificant Harvey. And, um, and also I had kids. A lot of commercials used to direct kids and dogs. So mm-hmm. yeah, and in this one has a dog. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, um, yeah. So and kids. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and bees. Yeah, there's bees are temperamental, man. They're really high. You know, they're really high maintenance talent. They're really. Okay. You know, yeah, they got a lot of expectations. Yeah. yeah. Managers, publicists. Oh man. <laughs> Big okay. demands. Okay. So yeah, yeah. We'll add bees to that. List yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're animal. really temperamental. The, the weather's off even a little bit. They're grumpy and they bite more. And it, it's been. I've learned a lot about bees. 
you mentioned like the previous film that you worked on, Insignificant Harvey. Like that also set in kind of like a small, intimate location, mm-hmm. um, small town. And this one too is very much just focused on this little kind of cabin. Yeah, and- there's crossover themes. I mean, they're both people in peril. Um, they're both you know underdogs and um, and both themes of of dealing with family. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a, a kind of unshared theme in both of them. And there's different reasons for that type of location. I mean, part of it's budget, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, when you shoot in a remote location, you can control it. It's cheaper if you shoot in a city, uh, unless you're just doing run and gun. Uh, but if it's a professional film, uh, which this is, you know, it's not, it's, you know, you're spending millions of dollars on something, you would be able to control the environment. Um, and yet to properly do it in a city, you need really millions of dollars, Yeah, you know? So, yeah. All the permits and all yeah, that. Yeah, well, it's beyond that, right? It's police and it's just crowd control and extras and it's just a totally different thing. So, How is the, the scene? Because now this is your second independent film. Mm-hmm. So is it difficult to raise financing and to kind of get these grants or these kind of... Uh, yeah, it's brutal. It's totally brutal. Um, and it's only gotten harder. I mean, I released Harvey in 2011 um, and it took me five years to get to my second feature as a writer director i mean you know as a producer i've done some other stuff but um yeah it's it's absolutely brutal on this one we had uh one third of the budget so yeah you know we 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 locked into tax credits which we're so lucky in canada to have and an employment fund in the north um of ontario called the nohfc northern ontario fund and a kind of a few other things but there was a huge gap that we had that most people have, and, you know, I raised money from seven different countries uh, to fill that. I mean, it, you know, it took me years of, of going to different markets and meeting the right people and, and learning how to raise private equity. And I did that on my first film as well, but not nearly as much as this. Is that a frustrating process? Because, like, it sounded like you're almost ready to go or you have some ideas kind of ready to shoot, and then now you got to take... Because I think Harvey was 2011? Yeah, 2011, I, yeah. Yeah, and so this is, like you said, six-year window, right? So Yeah, well, five when five, I just shot yeah. it. But, but yeah, um, yeah, it's brutal. Brutal, absolutely. I mean, we had so many starts, almost starts with this, and then money falls out, and uh, yeah, yeah, it's 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 really, really hard. It's a hard gig, uh, but it's a passion gig. Mm-hmm. You know, you do it for. It's it's. There's not a lot of people that get to make a feature film, much less two. So, you know, it's it's kind of a privilege. Does track record make a difference after a certain point where now you've got Harvey on your belt and it's like, yeah, you can make him a film and you can take the lens cap off and you yeah. seem to know what you're doing a little bit? Yeah, like, well, like I said, I directed yeah. commercials and I worked for National Geographic before that as a as a filmmaker and um, and I did a lot of short films that did, did pretty well. And so that, that kind of led up to the first one. But um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. And, and and box office makes a difference too. You know, people want to know that your movies have actually made money. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. So, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see. You're taking advantage. You mentioned at the top, like doing some of the video on demand and these kind of services. Is it kind of exciting to be a filmmaker too, to have all these different platforms? Or yeah, I mean, we did something different. We did something. Well, it's not different anymore. It's become more the norm for independent films. It was something called day and date release, which is where you basically have the theatrical and the digital, uh, you know, iTunes VOD within this, a few days of each other, if not on the same day. Um, so you can decide if you want to put on pants or go to cinema or kind just... of yeah because because one of the things we figured out is that and I see we is in the grand we of the industry is that people that want to see an independent film like this in theaters are going to go to the theater anyway um, having it available in the theater doesn't really distract distract it doesn't affect your numbers on um, VOD or on digital or in theater 
And so you only have to do one promotional push this way. The way it used to be is you'd release it in theaters, and then the theaters would make you wait 90 days till you could release it on any other platform. You had to do two different marketing pushes. We don't have those resources or that money. So you this, can't cover that many people in bees anymore, right? Oh, yeah, you only <laughs> do that once, man. The city will only let you do that once. Uh, and, and so, yeah, so so it's good. But part of part of that is you need to get theaters to agree to do it with you, and that, that means a different type of theatrical release. So, Are the theaters kind of reluctant with that? Or are they They're super reluctant. So we're at Cineplex, um, but we have what's called event screenings. So we have two screenings a night for a week, which is great and still extremely hard to get. This is in Toronto, and then we have... Um, select one-off screenings in Vancouver and Calgary and Ottawa. I think hopefully we're going to have one in Montreal and a couple other places. And that's great, to be honest. Uh, as a filmmaker in today's world, for a film that's under $5 bucks, we are we're beating all the stats on that. I mean, that is so hard to get. And the way that we do that with Cineplex, that still has a 90-day rule, us do all the major theatrical chains, not that there's that many of them anymore, is their event screenings. So we're in the same theaters that the opera would be in live mm-hmm. opera or whatever the theaters are exactly the same as other theaters they're you know a little smaller like 150 people and if if it's doing well they'll kick you to a bigger theater same uh, sticky floors yeah yeah exactly and that's great though uh, i like that because because then we can control our release so i've got no problem with that would you consider this a canadian film then because i'm just thinking more of the location rather than yeah, like it the is, personal. I, I, nah, it's stupid that we're so scared to say that because we think people are going to think it sucks that's uh, why i bring it up the worst it's, i know but but it, yeah it's because we were, we're going full circle now because you want to diss yourself from the horror genre because that has a certain baggage and certain yeah implication. yeah yeah and canadian film if i use that term it's totally, like which is which is stupid because canadian films are getting so much better than it's they like used to i be. met this girl on tinder right totally, it's already yeah like, yeah which but again that's because more so more public now you can kind of say that now yeah a little bit you can have a yeah, little, you can less shame. A little more it depends on your social circle oh, yeah. yeah um yeah i mean it, listen it, it it's canadian because it's shot in canada all the actors are canadian but that's only because we got an extra tax bump tax credit bump by having all canadian actors but all of these actors are living in la and doing u.s shows so no not really i mean it's like we don't actually say it's canada mm-hmm. um there's no canadian theme to it you know, we don't have Mounties. Yeah. Uh, and there's cabin and water everywhere. Yeah, that's it. And so it could be Minnesota, yeah. quite frankly, right? Or like greater New York. Um, so no, it's not Canadian in that sense. But yeah, I mean, it's Canadian in the sense that like we use Canadian crew and, uh, and Canadian cast. And, and that's great. And that's something I'm proud of. Yeah. Does it make a difference between like working in the industry here or like trying to like make it in L.A.? Like in going back, kind of continuing this Canadian thread. Yeah, I've done something for years where I've, I've done what's called riding the fence. And so I spend a portion of my time in LA and a portion of my time here. And I'll continue to do that inevitably. I mean, you know, I, I'll keep my residency here and everything else because I want the tax credits. And I like living here, quite frankly. I like Toronto. And then I spend time, I, I'm starting to move a lot into scripted television now, like a lot of filmmakers. I've got a show at ABC that I developed with Alicia Keys Production Company that. Um, is that, that the Whiskey King or no that's, that's not the Whiskey King that one's called Freedom Riders yeah the Whiskey King is another one that has optioned the rights to in the book and what's so, the Freedom Riders Freedom Riders is a civil rights story in the US and so um, Freeform which is which is uh, oh they did that horror show um uh, Dead Summer, Long yeah, Summer. Yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah maybe, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. I don't actually, I don't really watch your channel yeah, that much. Yeah. You know, like, well, they've, they've changed it all. They've totally rebranded the whole thing. So now it's for, it's targeted at, uh, what do they call it? Like middle-aged millennials or something. Like people like 25 to 30. Um, and they're, yeah, the shows are coming out with, actually look awesome. 
So I'm really excited. It's it's a, it's like a, it's a huge scripted TV show in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And so it's really kicked open doors for me. Um, and I packaged it and put it together, and and they bought it. And and so now I, I have a track record in the U.S. And so I can go and I can knock on pretty much everyone's door and pitch some other stuff. So I'm doing that. And I've got some Canadian stuff I'm pitching and some American. A lot, most of it crosses both ways. You can shoot it in Canada, but it's sellable. You pre-sell it in the U.S. and that type of stuff. So again, that's a new world I'm learning about that I really like a lot. You like the TV, I guess, too, just for the like the shorter, like because the work is a little bit shorter, right? You only have to shoot like a sixty-minute show. It's just or... a better. It's just a better business. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, film. You know, film has been the business model's been broken for quite a few years now. We all know that, and TV is still a super robust business model. So, um, and the timelines are great. I mean, you know, TV is something like one to three years on average. I'm a little bit guesstimating. It's probably longer than that. But film is like independent films, like seven to ten years, right? Like it's nuts. And and TV is really exciting now. Like creatively, it's really fun. You can do some pretty cool stuff out there. You know, a lot of my stuff's cable stuff. It's HBO type stuff, and uh, and that's fun. And you get, you know, ten times the amount of time to develop your characters and to tell your story arcs and all that stuff. So I, I, I quite like it. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I like it. All right. And Freedom Writers, you mentioned, is like uh, it's going to be on long form, uh, a free form. Sorry, free form. Free yeah. form. Do you know when it's going to be? On no, or? we haven't even gone to production yet. It's it's been, I think, kind of unofficially greenlit, but um, we won't get officially greenlit. Assuming, assuming that we do for another couple of months, and so I think it'll hopefully it'll shoot next summer. All right. Cool. And for now, though, uh, Blood Honey is going to make its way across Canada. Yeah, we have so. another couple of days in Toronto. So if you haven't seen it, please do. It's uh, at the Cineplex on Dundas. And there's screenings um, tonight, uh, tomorrow, and Thursday. And then it's also, like I said, available on uh, Canadian iTunes and Canadian VOD. And then it'll be in Vancouver September 8th and Calgary September 12th. And I'll be there for both. You ever find there's a difference too as you kind of go through the different cities? Because the Vancouver's got a different identity than Toronto, obviously. Yeah, totally. And different. so, do they receive the film in a different way, or are they their takeaways are a little bit different? Yeah, yeah, it's totally different. And everywhere you go, which is part of the fun, um, and also just it, it, getting people out to it. People in Vancouver are totally last minute. They they won't plan a week in ahead. In Toronto, people like are like plan two weeks ahead of time. Um, so it kind of changes the way you market it too. Yeah, you wait a little bit more last minute in Vancouver and Calgary. And yeah, the yeah, people receive it uh, differently in both places, which is again part of the fun. It's like, you know, traveling across, um, well, the world really with your film. That's I mean, that's the funnest part because you mm-hmm. get to meet all these different people, and it's an icebreaker, and uh, and you get different. You get you know, the doing Q and A's after is really fun. So you get these totally totally wild different perspectives. Uh, and there are people kind of, and you get to see the audience too. They see if they're like laughing at certain points or they're scared or like. Yeah, I mean, I'll be honest. Yeah. I've, you know, yeah. it, it takes six months to edit a movie. I've seen it thousands of times now without, you know, and so I don't really sit and watch the movie. Yeah, I know, because you've been living with it from the <laughs> Yeah, like I might to see now. them at the very end. Yeah. So you can kind of see the reactions at the end, but that's also just a painful process to sit through that many screenings. You're just, because you're so paranoid the whole time there. Yeah. Every time somebody moves in their seat, you're like, oh, I failed. Yeah. I failed. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. so just. <laughs> or you just like notice things again. Oh, like, yeah. You notice I every, mistake, totally every had... mistake you made. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I don't think there's any filmmaker that, that watches their film in regular screenings if they can avoid it. It's like going to like an industry screening at like a film festival where people are on their phones and stuff it's the and you just would never do it like it yeah. would be it's terrible yeah. before you go i want to touch upon um crystal hope that's a bomb yeah crystal nosbaum uh hope nosbaum yeah she's she's great she's a wonderful toronto actor um she was in um a film that was in the toronto film festival a couple of years ago to do and she was in the tv show tv show bitten 
Um, and she also is a, a Down syndrome. That's um, why I'm bringing it up. Yeah, yeah a, a kind of activist and 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 has has that part of her life. And the character was always somebody that had Down syndrome. That's what I was getting at. Like that was something you kind of envisioned from the beginning, right? Yeah, or, and, and it was it was you know you see the movie you'll understand a little bit why it was a little bit of a, a mechanism that we needed. Um, the character is kind of shifty at cause yeah. You, you we, can't. It's hard to read her because you yeah. don't know if she's like passive. I know. Or she knows Which we did something. On yeah. So oh. we it was either it was either it's such a weird conversation. It was either Tourette's or Down syndrome. Those were the two that That's kind, what I was of getting like, at. kind of identified that would work for what we wanted her character among other things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I and with Down syndrome, yeah, you know, I always wanted to find a, an actor that actually had it. I didn't want to try to find an actor who didn't and try to make it look like they had it. Um, and, and luckily there are like a handful of really talented, um, high-functioning Down syndrome actors. So she's great, man. She's been fantastic. Yeah. So where can people find you online? You're on Twitter? Yeah, or everywhere. It's hashtag um, on Instagram. It's uh, Blood Honey Film, and on um, Facebook and Twitter, it's uh, Blood Honey Movie. We got locked out of our Blood Honey Movie Instagram account, <laughs> oh, <laughs> so we had to yeah. switch it, which sucks. Yeah, uh, and the hashtag is is often blood, just Blood Honey now. Yeah, there's a lot um, of lessons here in like the always, adventures of indie o- always, filmmaking. Always learn a lot. Yeah, you always learn a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's good. So for the next one, or either whether it's TV or film, you're like ready. You got some lessons learned yeah, now. Yeah, and... yeah. When you cover a guy in bees, to you know, do do. Put a T-shirt on him. <laughs> oh, yeah, see, there you go. Like so much knowledge now. Yeah, I know, now, I know. now you got. Now you're buzzing. Um, thank you, Jeff, for coming in thank and you, talking man. about independent film and uh, bees and uh, correcting me from the genre. So <laughs> I'm sorry. I apologize again for that. So uh, my name is Sam Unin, and you can follow me on my pal Sammy. Thank you. <laughs>